that didn't go quite right. <laughs> Welcome to the Parts FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson. And it's a Monday, and that's exactly what happened. And tonight you're listening to Be Careful With What You Wish For. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, with that interesting introduction tonight. I don't think in two, three, four years I've ever done that, but that's okay. Once in a while you stumble, hit the wrong button, and something else starts. Patriots, before we begin, tonight we've, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're just going to kind of have a, a Monday evening chat about perspective and a lot of what's going on here as we face this ongoing press forward for this digital money and digital pass, but how, much, how important it is that we stay focused on what we're after. And with that, make sure that you're taking good care of your wealth at this period in time. It's an unstable market time. In fact, I was just reading, and we're going to go over it here in a bit, the con- continuing concern for a res- massive recession and pretty much an obliteration of Wall Street. The folks at Birch Gold are here to help, so give them a ring. Patriots, we know the economy is in a mess, but you know what's never good? When your nation's supposed authority on economic policy completely misses the flashing red lights of impending inflation. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has finally admitted, quote, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted energy and food prices and supply bottlenecks that affected our economy badly that I didn't at any time fully understand. What can we say? You know who understands the real threat of inflation? It's the people who have invested in gold and silver. And that's why we have Birch Gold. They're working with you to protect your savings from a highly turbulent economy by diversifying your 401k and IRA into gold, physical gold. And it's not too late for you to take action now. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, Birch Gold has the experts to help you. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text BARDS to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold. We are in a point right now where... People are beginning to get very stressed. And by that, it's also the place where people are getting worn out. Unfortunately, what that translates to too often is that we have a moment in time when the elites can gain an upper hand very quickly. We have to be very cautious about the types of things that we're hoping for and wishing for. Because they're leading a lot of the narrative here, and they're shaping a lot of the world. And it's not good. 
there's a lot of discussion that comes from the Q movement of the military is in control or will be in control. And that's something to take cautiously. And I say that because once you hand power over to a force that has the tools and the mechanisms to enforce compliance, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Our military is deeply divided right now. And it's not an organization that we thought it was. And it's not an organization that is unified under a common theme. We have senior leaders that have spent years being groomed through the likes of which of the CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, for a vision of a more unified world, a multipolar world, but a world that's very heavily connected to NATO. NATO by itself is little more than the Nazi Atlantic Treaty Organization. It's not what we think it is. Unfortunately, those on the inside don't see it that way. And many still operate with the premise that five eyes is a good thing. We have been pilfered by pretty much every ally, what we thought were allies. And at the same time, we have pretty much pilfered the world to force them into compliance with a petrodollar that's debt-driven to put the rest of the world into some form of debt slavery. We're at a very important point right now in our history and in the history of the world where a group of nations has come together to fight that resist to fight that tyranny. That group of nations goes by the concept of BRICS. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And here's some statistics that just some things to think about. That when you combine Russia and China together, they have some they have what may be the largest natural gold mining reserves on the planet. Now I say maybe because the environmentalists have locked up a large percentage of our gold and precious metals, unattainable or untouchable, I should say, because of wilderness rules and other tricks that they did intentionally expecting us to be ruined and broken as a nation so that we would be purchased and taken over by China and the likes of others. We've always been a nation rich in resources, but as you can see, the same thing is happening with oil right now. They're locking it in the ground so we don't have access to it. And the alternatives are draconian, but we'll get to that in a minute. So we have BRICS, which is a combination of Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. And they're moving towards, between them, Russia and China have some of the largest gold mining reserves on the planet. They also hold the largest physical reserves of gold in their respective central banks globally. Now, that is as we know. The problem is we don't really know anything about our gold. We don't know what we really have. We don't know where it is. And some would argue that that's for strategic reasoning, but the fact is that as it sits right now, we are a country that's bankrupt. Now, I'm not saying we are completely because I assume that there's, from what we understand, and the assumption's a big word there, but there is gold somewhere. There, and But the amount of debt that we have incurred through this debt economy, this petrodollar, is mind-boggling. So, these com- countries have come together and they're pulling other countries with them. There used to be pretty much a singular 
monolithic power structure in the economic world. And the economics is the backbone to all of this. And with that, there is this unity of, of us able to spend the way we want, us able to buy goods at deflated prices for the consumers. And at the same time, our countries, our companies have been willfully able to push our jobs from our borders into lower areas with lower incomes, less labor restrictions, often no labor restrictions at all, so they can produce cheap stuff for the American public to consume. That's pretty much been our life in the last 30, 40 years, a progressive movement towards more stuff, less price, so that we can consume more and we can waste more. And that philosophy, which is interesting, has driven a lot of what today we would call the environmentalist movement, not because they want to buy less, but because they want to make sure things are recycled more. So essentially, this at the core of the environmentalist movement is continue to buy the same level of crap you don't need, and then at the same time, make sure it's just more recyclable so we don't waste anything in landfills. It's a pretty much ridiculous concept. Back to BRICS. The BRICS nations are coming together right now to make a basket of currencies. It'll be a new global currency under them. I don't know what it'll look like, but it'll be gold back and precious metals back. Why this is important is this is going to create a direct competition to the dollar. The Federal Reserve note, which we know is the dollar, has zero value. It has none. In fact, right now is the time to get your dollars converted into something real because at a reset point, that paper, there will be a period of time that people will accept that tender, we assume, but very short on, that paper will have no value. It won't be recognized by banks. And that's the threat that we're facing. Now, many times when this comes up and you're like, well, when is this going to happen? I have no idea. What we can see is that things are moving that way at a steady pace. And even the conservatives on Wall Street are starting to talk of a massive global implosion in the economy, all again because of this massive debt burden they've created. And the principle behind the Great Reset, driven by the World Economic Forum, a.k.a. the Fourth Reich, their idea was to rupture this debt basically erase it all and then reset everything back on a new monetary system where everybody would in the world would receive a minimal basic income UBI and that everything that they bought would then filter up in profits to a handful of elites, which from what we understand is, you know, like less than 1% or actually it's less than that. It's like 0.1%. So there's a pretty much an attempt by the world economic groups to eradicate the middle class and create basically two tiers of poor classes and one tier of uber elites. Now, BRICS is in in theory, BRICS is fighting it back against that. But like so many things, we don't have any real details on what BRICS BRICS nations promises are other than Putin saying that they want to have sovereign nations. And it's an interesting point to say they want sovereign nations. I'm not saying it's bad, but one thing that's missing is the sovereignty of people, which is given by God. 
this world needs to have people have their sovereignty back, not controlled by elites, not controlled by banksters, not controlled by politicians that have overinflated their purpose. But that's the idea right now in this fight is where does that land? Because BRICS is pulling away and it's creating an alliance that's pushing back against us. And it's going to be fairly severe and significant. And it's going to leave fewer and fewer options for what we can do as a nation. China has become literally the workshop of the world. They have most of the manufacturing centralized over there. Pretty much anything you need manufactured can be done in China very quickly, tooled up very quickly, and it's pretty cheap to do. And Russia has, is the largest exporter of hydrocarbons and other major commodities on the planet. So that's where you're seeing a lot of this tightening up of fertilizer. Now, every time I list these things, and I've, I've done it many times, I'm already thinking in terms of what we could do to change that. And it's really not that big of a deal as a national effort. But the problem is we don't have leadership that's taking us that way. And since we don't have leadership that's taking us in the right way, and we'll talk about some of the solutions here in a moment, that's going to put the burden and onus on us to make the direction. Now, another part of BRICS is that BRICS and OPEC are in deals with Venezuela, Iran, Nicaragua. And that makes them the dominant oil production group in the world. It's combined, not individually. And the big piece about BRICS is they're taking away the dollar and they're enforcing payments in currencies other than the cabal-controlled currencies. The dollar, the Federal Reserve note, is a cabal-controlled currency, as is the euro, as is the pound, and others. All of this leads to a very rapid and powerful decline of America because economics is literally the holy grail of the world. As we know the quote we've talked so often, if you control the food, you control the people. If you control the fuel or energy, you control a nation. But if you control the money, you control the world. Now, it's interesting to note that BRICS being five countries is, takes that much to challenge the United States. And BRICS isn't financially solvent either, let's be clear. Russia's economy is powerful in key sectors, and they have good innovation. They always have. They have good, strong sciences and metallurgy. They have matured a lot of their agriculture, especially post-Soviet era. But they're still a relatively small economy proportionally. Russia right now is in this fight to denazify Ukraine. But Ukraine is a, is a neighboring country. It's not a country where they're projecting force across oceans. So as strong as Russia is in that small theater of fight, Russia's having to use all of its tools to make sure that it can maintain that upper hand in the fight and keep Europe or Naziville at bay. The hardest part that Americans as a whole are going to have to digest is that we're not on the winning team here. And though we could potentially, quote unquote, win, it's not a win that I would want anything part of because we have become 
a country that has aligned itself ideologically, financially, and spiritually with some of the darkest powers in the world. And in fact, we're kind of the hub for a lot of that. So we're in a pretty interesting time right now of a nation of having to decide which way we want to go. And with that, we have on the table three, two visible paths and one path, which is not so visible, but it's the most profound path. So the most visible path we have to follow is that which is based around the Green New Deal, the World Economic Forum's vision of a great reset, build back better, all these buzzwords which mean nothing, they're just buzzwords. But at the core of that, what they're getting at is building back better is to regenerate, recreate a society that doesn't have a resistance class, so they've eliminated, for the most part, the white Christian and anybody else that wants to join that movement, which they can tag easily as MAGA or Make America Great, needs to be subdued to replace that class with immigrants from other countries that are more have a greater tendency to be compliant and to, de, to reduce the population and strengthen the back of the population with robotics and AIs. So that essentially what you have is a a fight between a massive technocracy and an emerging BRICS technocracies because nobody is giving up on this technology race. And to be very honest, I don't know that we are going to be able to avoid as a nation in the situation that we're in right now, we're going to have to probably go through this fairly draconian phase of extreme technologies until the entire world suffers a consequence. I, I would hope we don't get there, but it's hard to say. The United States is an aging population. It's a challenge because we have a lot of people in their retired ages. They, they have accepted and expected to have Social Security there. Social Security was never supposed to be part of our system this long, but that was another one of the communist underhanded tricks to break the economy. As they pilfered people's investments, Social Security for many is all they have. And we know that Social Security becomes totally insolvent around 2027. So that gets us back to the motive of why the West was attacked, in particular the United States. There's a financial benefit to wipe out the elderly. And there's equally a financial benefit of corrupting the youth and sterilizing the whole main body of the country, because that way you are eliminating a lot of the white class and you're bringing in a minority class that will not be vaccinated and overpopulate. And eventually the birth and combined marriage, mixed marriages will erase most of the white class from America. That is on target to continue regardless of what the outcome of this vax is. Because families are just not big anymore. And the biggest families are those from immigrant families. So we're in a, a massive demographic shift and a demographic challenge as a nation. And so you're going to see the two parties catering less interest to white America 
and much more focused on Latino, black, and other minorities in this country. One of the ironies is that we have a block of people, the Democrats, which are about 90 to 95% vaccinated and up-to-date on their boosters. And this creates a yet a very little spoken about but very real change in America that as hard and as dark as it sounds could very much benefit a return to a constitutional republic. But again, it will put a lot of stress on all of us because this isn't something that any of us would hope for. But the reality is there's nothing we can do to stop it because the vaccinated groups, the liberals are the most vaccinated and by doing so, they have self-selected them out of the population pool over the next 10 years. We're looking at a fairly massive reduction in our population. And many of our systems have been built to handle a fairly heavy input of human labor and human in the loop. So what this leads to is that we are going to have to confront some significant challenges as a nation of how, that we will, how we will continue to grow and prosper in the midst of all of these very dark and heavy elements that are coming in towards us. A dead economy, a military that is, I won't say it's broken, but it's close. An over-reliance on technologies that are massively expensive and very dangerous for that matter, because with technology, as it comes, it always ends up in the hands and the pockets of the investors of Wall Street and the military industrial complex. And those people have one interest in mind, make money at any cost. You can see that with just the rental control. I mean, you're now seeing, as you're seeing the buy-up of houses and being consolidated with the largest, they hope to be the largest single landlord, which is Blackstone, not Blackrock, but Blackstone. You're seeing other investor pools now buying up trailer parks. And I don't know if you understand how trailer parks often work, but most of the time, trailer parks, people are renting trailers. Many have are a rent-to-buy option, but to, to in very in, it's very infrequent that somebody's actually able to follow through with the total buy of the trailer. In fact, it's a highly profitable business for people because they can take a trailer, they can flip it, they can put somebody on a payment plan to buy it in 20 years. Most people fail on that payment at some point or move out around year five or year three, and then they flip it again and they put it up for sale again, and they're constantly churning this these trailers. But what's happening now is you're seeing less improvements and rents increasing, and I told you this was coming. This is one of the first major indicators of another home, home level inflation point. Rents are going to be are increasing in the trailer houses on the average of forty percent, and that's coming to almost all the rental markets across the United States. That's because the consolidation of power has happened in the hands of Wall Street. Our country is held hostage by the investors. And the problem is that the this is going to draw the way through this that they're going to sell to you is the idea that the only way through is to invest more to build up your 401k and therefore you can get ahead. 
They've created the OODA loops that we're going to get caught in if we're not careful. So again, be careful what we wish for. There is a lot at stake here. And the challenges that we're going to face are hubbing more and more out of one major sector in our country, and that's Wall Street. So one of the things that has happened in the last few days, if not the last 48 hours, is we're going to shift eyes over to Sri Lanka for a moment. Because Sri Lanka was interesting because the people rose up, the people ran their politicians out. There was a lot of cue chatter on that about they won't, they won't be able to walk down the street and everybody was celebrating. And then immediately they ran into the critical problems that had happened by a bankrupted country. They didn't have the resources in the country to solve the food problem, to solve the fuel problem. So military stepped in, and though the, initially the people came together with the military to solve the problem as the president resigned and they were left without a leadership. And so people turned to the military or at least accepted the military to step in and help solve the problems and reorganize society. Something I want to tell you here. Militaries are not designed for nation-state building, and they're not designed for sustainment operations. Militaries are designed for a singular purpose, to kill and ruthlessly destroy the enemy. You have to remember that because the garbage that you're being told about militaries being able to restructure an economy, we failed in Iraq, we failed in Vietnam, we failed in Afghanistan miserably. We, they don't do it well. Because they don't think that way. They, no military officer has real business experience. And they can't relate to what it takes to have the innovation space and the freedom for people to, to create whatever they want. They're a, they're a culture of rules and very rigid policies. And it works that way. That's how they are effective at killing and ruthlessly destroying the enemy. That's what their mission is. And though the National Guard in our country is a bit unique because it does have civilians that attend National Guard drill one time a month, so they are more civilian than they are soldier, and National Guard probably has more ability to adapt to a nation-building framework, nonetheless, in uniform, locked and loaded, the one thing the National Guard is as good as anybody with is to kill and ruthlessly destroy the enemy. So this hope with, with Sri Lanka, where we have this kind of celebration of the people overthrowing the government and the military stepping in, where are we now? Well, they have now rolled out the digital ID. And to get gas, you now have to show the digital ID to get your rationed amount of gas. Now, I don't know who instituted that, whether that was the military side or the civilian side, it's irrelevant because the two sides are working together now to solve the problems for the country. And the first step that they make was into this digital world, digital ID passes. And you're not going to get your ration unless you have a digital pass. This is one step closer to the Orwellian state. You see, because in the military culture, that's not an uncommon issue. They don't have a problem with having IDs and being mandated to take injections and being obedient to rules and laws. But the military is not the center of incubation and innovation. The center of innovation is in the people's hands. Again, what's the role of the military? 
to kill and ruthlessly destroy the enemy. And though the military has its own labs, I can assure you that most of the people that work at those labs work there because they can't make it in the civilian sector. It's not like it was a long time ago. Now the military is heavily burdened with bureaucracies and SES class and all these rules and regulations. When I worked at an engineering lab up in the Northeast, we were dealing with rapid innovation concepts. That was what my role was there. And I brought my company in to do rapid innovation, to help build processes to rapidly innovate technologies for the warfighter so that we didn't have this long delay. It's very common in government labs to get an idea and it takes five to seven years before they return that idea back to the soldier to use. And by that time, technologies leaped far ahead of them. So the idea was how to compress these innovation cycles. And there was a poster up on the wall of the process. It was unbelievable. And it was very fine print. You could, it was a poster this about six feet wide and about four feet high with all of these little lines and flow charts of every step of the process of engineering approval to get to the outcome of delivering a product to the warfighter. And as I was shown this chart, I, I was asked, where do you see yourself on this chart? And I said, well, I'd like to see myself about midway. And they said, no, 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 you don't understand. And they pointed to the far left corner of a four by six chart that was had about 12 point letter lettering on it. And it said, you're down here at the beginning. The distance from where I was and helping do the work I was to the delivery of product in the military's lab system was a process of about five to seven years. There was no such thing as rapid innovation. That's why the military ends up turning to the civilian market. And the civilian market then develops things for the military. And as they develop these technologies, sometimes the military holds proprietary over the majority of the technology. Usually the company negotiates a policy so that at least some of those ideas can be innovated, repurposed for the civilian market, or at least for the law enforcement market or other types of markets that with government agencies. And what you end up with is a cycle and a, of process of developing weapons and tools that have no place outside of the military. And when there is no major war like we're in right now, then they have to find purpose to create profit because once the government contracts dry up, they don't have anything else to do. And this is the threat that comes from the military industrial complex because invariably it's wall street money again, that funds these innovations or gets investors for these innovations that want to return on their investment so that they can then create better toys for the police to monitor people, the FBI to track people, to create future crime models. It's all a self-feeding and self-licking ice cream cone that ultimately leads to the principles of an Orwellian state. This is the bubble that we're currently living in. And I'm not comparing us to other nations, because as far as I'm concerned, BRICS and is just as bad. They're just breaking a break from the dollar, which is going to add more complications to our lives because as the dollar ruptures and people find shortages, there's going to be a tendency to want to have more policing to avoid the riots and the, ups, of the disruptions that will occur when people have trouble affording the basics of food, fuel, and shelter. We're already there. We just haven't acknowledged it 
openly as a culture. And this is where we end up at one of the greatest conflicts probably in our country's history, which is what I will refer to as the American innovation or patriot class versus the institutionalized authoritarian class. These two groups now are vying for a major conflict. And it's not one that's going to easily resolve itself. Because as a nation, if we were if we stepped back for a minute and we allowed ourselves the freedom to innovate and quit trying to exploit one another, which is what this entire Wall Street model is about, but instead trying to find application for doing good. If we started to look at the sources of where most of this criminal class is emerging from, we started to put emphasis back on rebuilding the family, putting emphasis on re-empowering fathers to be fathers instead of criminals, starting to look at our criminal system, which is all punitive driven rather than restorative driven. Don't get me wrong. There is a criminal class that will always be a criminal class, but Everything we do now is about punitive and, comp- and suppression. And all of our government systems function the same way. So we're heading into something fairly disturbing right now. And it's going to take the will of the people to avoid falling, allowing the nation to fall into that pit. And that's where the reliance on well-grounded, faith-driven minds have to start stepping up and being ready to lead people. And that leadership comes in many forms. Because I'm fairly convinced that if we see an invert, an incursion by the military to do, quote, arrests or to do a reset of the economy or to deal with trying to get innovation going again, my guess is they will do what's instinctive to them which is to roll out some sort of digital tracking ID system so they can monitor all the people and know who the good and the bad are. That is is native in the thinking of the military because in the military, everything is defined in terms of a threat or or a friend, friend or foe. So in trying to stabilize an economy, one of the first things that is going to come to the table is how do we make, how do we identify the good versus the bad. And there will be emphasis placed on probably incentivation, incentivizing people. And how do they do that? Because they're going to want to do that mechanically. And so that would mean implementing some sort of a digital ID and ultimately digital money because they're going to want to track everything. Keep in mind, these people, I'm not saying there aren't threats out here and I'm not saying there isn't such a thing as evil. But the problem we always have is instead of pursuing evil, it's always everybody has to suffer the consequences of evil and are punished uniformly. All you have to do is look at how they handle gun control and how they handle dealing with criminal networks. They don't want people to have freedom unless they give it to you. They don't want people to have the right to do what you want to do unless they can track it and approve it. And when you start looking at this network that's been put in the sky, which I call Skynet, it's Elon Musk's Skylink, 
that was funded by the Department of Defense. I don't know what it is. No one really knows what it is other than a supposedly a Wi-Fi network. But we all know that it's not innocuous if it's a Wi-Fi network. It's sitting above us and it tracks and has the capacity to create a grid of tracking that no one can escape from. That would be appropriately thought out from the Department of Defense because they see all environments as threat and the threat potential. And those that work within those environments think the same thing. They are slaves and prisoners to their own fears and manufacturing of boogeymen that they'll never fight. We have to be very cognizant of the processes that are being and opportunities that are going to come before us. In the next few months, things are going to get very messy. And I don't say that because I have some forecast of whether the military is going to step in or not. But one thing is pretty clear is the military is taking a very neutral role here. They have not called out Putin other than the arm shipments that the White House has been directing. Most of those arms haven't even ended up in Ukraine. They've ended up on the black market. But you'll note that Putin has not called out President Trump. He has not referenced the Republican Party. And he hasn't called for direct war against the United States. Nor has he even called out slightly, but nothing direct in terms of having his own troops killed by contractors and CIA operatives that are working in the Ukraine who did have done direct action to kill Russian soldiers. He has not said anything about that. It's rather profound. Because he doesn't want war with the United States. What Putin is at war with is the deep cabal. And the deep cabal, sadly, is everywhere in our country. Our military has stood quietly. They haven't rattled the saber of nuclear war. In fact, they they haven't done anything to push forward with nuclear war. You can expect going forward here, we're probably going to see some sort of action by China, and it's probably already being done on the back end because China tends to negotiate things before they do anything. They have probably come to an agreement with the government of Taiwan at this point, at least portions of it, to concede to China and to make it look like a small skirmish, but they'll probably end up having some sort of a little spat, and then Taiwan will agree to go back into the orbit of China. And it needs to, for one, because there's 1,050 biolabs that ultimately have funding ties back to the Department of Defense in Taiwan. So again, we're, we have all the tendrils of evil into the world. And that same institution that has been part and parcel with def- expanding that evil, which is the U.S. military, and has been working at senior levels, and to be very clear here, at senior levels has worked part and parcel with the groups of like the CFR, Council of Foreign Relations, which is a Rockefeller-backed organization and funded They've worked closely at one point or another with the banking institutions at higher levels or at least the outcomes of interest of protecting the dollar, which is a Federal Reserve note. That's been a lot of their function. So when we go about asking and hoping that the military will step in to save the day, be very careful what you're wishing for. Think through this carefully because The processes that you'll be embedded with, which we may not have any choice in because it may come to this. And part of the reason has nothing to do with Joe Biden. 
One of the challenges that we're going to face as a nation is you see BRICS starting to pull away into their own orbits and doing a sovereign nation type approach with gold-backed currencies or other assets, meaning that they're going to back currencies not only with gold or silver, but they'll allow other resources and natural and raw materials to be able to back this currency. The U.S. is going to fall woefully behind to such a degree that we will have no buying power. And that means that there's no ability for the economy to ultimately function. The collapse that that could bring about, and I'm, I don't know that it will, but it's definitely on the horizon of real and definitely within the possibilities of real would make the depression look like a training space. So there would be such implosion that there is a natural cause of events that would trigger the military to step in in that, in that case to try to stabilize things. And one of the things they would have to stabilize is breaking down the barriers to allowing companies to go in and start mining because we would have to start taking care of our own. If the military functions as it is intended, which is ultimately to protect the republic, it would have to function that way to try to open up markets or at least spaces for people to do mining, to start getting oil production going, that sort of thing. That's nation building, but it's nation building using a public-private partnership. That word that you have probably heard way too much, and we've all heard way too much. But you're dealing with the same draconian leaders that were there before. And just because you arrest one person in Pfizer, or one if you did, or one person in Wall Street if you did, you still have a litany of morally bankrupt people that are going to rise up to the occasion. If there's one thing that we learned in fighting Al-Qaeda, because we did netric-centric warfare, or net-centric warfare, which is to break down the networks, what we learned with with fighting Al-Qaeda is every time we killed somebody, we created a promotion program for them because people were eager to step up into that role. That is going to be the same nonsense when you start doing arrests of any capacity Whoever does them in this nation, you're not solving the core problem. Remember, in the United States, we suffer from the symptoms of political bankruptcy. The core disease is moral bankruptcy in our nation. And so that falls down to us and the importance of everything that we're doing in this nation at a local level. There is great hope for this nation. In spite of everything I just mapped out, There's never been a greater opportunity of hope for our nation. And the reason there's great hope is because people are coming back to God. Because people are starting to realize the importance of taking back control in their daily lives, their households, reclaiming sovereignty in their day and in their life. And to have that spread within their communities so that communities and then counties become more solid. We have big obstacles ahead of us. When we talk about needing to reduce the dependency on petrochemical fertilizers, that is a good thing. But cutting them off immediately, the soils are dead. The seed pool is genetically modified that relies on these sort of inputs. It's a a recipe for disaster and starvation. But in a transition phase where people can start growing their own food at home, which is one of the most critical aspects for social stability, Again, that same thing, control the food, control the nation. People's individual efforts to grow their own food cannot be understated. It is a national, it should be, everybody should be talking about it. It is a national security issue. The other big one is power and energy. Right now, we're still dependent on these large process facilities. 
big coal fire plants, dams, all things that the cabal owns and manages. And that ultimately, the cabal takes us right back to the money people of Wall Street. But if people are let free to innovate and to start working together, there is nothing more powerful than a faith-driven American patriot to, to solve problems. And that is ultimately the challenges that sit before us and the things that we have to overcome. We have to return to that old way of being American. We have to go back to go forward. We have to remember the fire that was in the patriots that came here. They were leaving Europe to get away from tyranny. We have a group of people here that are working overtime to bring in tyranny. That's the brain damage view. And it's really what we call the progressive left anymore. They unfortunately have a lot of influence in government. They have a lot of influence in media, in schools. But all those things we can break from if we choose to. And it's not easy. And we're going to have to think different. If you remember the story of the guy that was killed in the Buffalo shooting at the supermarket that had just recently innovated a hydrogen-powered vehicle, when I talk about thinking differently, let me give you another scenario on that, how that could have ended up very well for everybody. I am quite certain that he was building that and trying to build a business out of it. I don't fault him for that, so don't think I do. But we have to think differently. We have to take the lessons learned and start applying them to a future scenarios that may happen. We have to stop trying to play the game of investors and making money and, and making money our worship. Instead, we have to start putting our focus with God at the center of all things, which is a different world. Something like that, had it been innovated and then given to 100 people, who then would have given it to 100 more people, who would have given it to 100 more people, within a very short amount of time, that technology would have spread through the United States and it would have been free for everybody to have other than the cost of the, of the, of the actual pieces. It would have been transformational and it would have been unstoppable. But what gets in our way, and I'm not accusing him of this, but I'm, I'm suspicious that this was kind of where it ended up is the people we try to focus on, what are we going to innovate for ourselves to make money at to sell to others? That's where we fall trapped to the same models that Wall Street is running and, and controls everybody now. We have to start thinking in terms of what the nation needs to revive itself on a new platform. And what's that new platform? It's the platform that our Declaration of Independence mapped out, where God is on the throne. We're subordinate to him, and government is subordinate to the wills of the people. And that means we don't need agencies telling us what to do means that we have the wherewithal within ourselves to be conscientious and stewarding of the environment. It means that we are working together for the betterment of ourselves and our communities and our nation, not trying to find out if I'm going to be the guy that gets to buy the biggest house on the hill. And we're trusting above all of this, we're trusting in the path of God. We're starting to move that way as a nation. We're starting to, it's, it's emerging. And one of the key indicators that I found today, which was amazing, is that delinquent debts are being paid off very quickly right now. And the economists can't figure it out. Well, I can figure it out. People are trying to unburden themselves from debt to free themselves so they have, don't have things carrying forward. That's a very powerful indicator that we're shifting a moral position in our country. There's a long ways to go. 
But we have to fix the moral foundation in our nation for us to move forward. We can't vote it in in 2022. We can't vote it in in 2024. We have to change the moral position of who we are. And this is not an easy battle because there is a group of people, many of which are quadruple vaxxed or whatever the latest is, that honestly seek the obedience of a tyrannical government. We're no longer compatible with them. We can pray for them. We can try to introduce them to truths, but they don't want to hear those truths. So the only way we have forward, other than a bloody civil war, which we need to all pray that doesn't happen, is that we create a revolution of minds and spirit. And the next, and this new American revolution, the revolution 2.0 that we're in right now, ultimately becomes driven not by the musket, but becomes driven by our faith and our commitment to live our faith with God in the world, understanding always that we fight and lead with the Lord of the Spirit, with the sword of the Spirit, but we never allow ourselves to walk without having the sword of steel on our hip. We have to be strong. We have to become the warriors that Christ intended. And in doing so, as we make this step, we find and will find that the nation, from one household to the next, to one community to the next, from one county to the next, will truly reset itself on the proper moral foundation to heal the moral bankruptcy and to restore the true vision of the republic. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight very humbled and pray that so many that are out here wandering can truly start to hear your voice and hear the love that you offer. We pray tonight for the many patriots that are walking with you to seek a deeper relationship with you and seek a deeper commitment in our walk in life, that we are not just by name or by, by book or by scripture related to you, but we're living and breathing the relationship with you, Father, in such a profound way that we truly are the examples for others to see and to follow. We have a mass of people, Lord, that have rejected you, that have rejected the principles of our faith, that have rejected everything other than the obedience to state and obedience to corporations, which is a phenomenal statement. And it's tragic. But we all know that joy and happiness and strength that comes from walking in a true path that others see, they may not understand, but it draws people like a moth to a flame. May we be that. May we continue to strive to be that, to literally walk in that true path of Christ, to become strong in our presence and living our faith in such a way that without words, it's recognized like the lamp on the hill. Guide us, Father. Advise us. Give us that wisdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. A lot to reflect on right now, patriots. And it's a time of important reflection because we're at the valley of decision. And the temptations are only going to grow to try to get out of this quickly, to try to resolve things. There's going to be a lot of this anticipation of arrests and is the military going to step in and what's going to happen? 
My answer is, as always, the plan has always been us. It's not somebody else to fix it for us. The innovation has always been us. It's not some foreign entity to bring in the innovation we need. We have everything in this nation that we need, the minds, the people, the resources. But we have to start thinking in terms of God's world, not in terms of the world that they've shaped and controlled. When they tell you no, God tells you yes. When they tell you double no, God says ignore them. I'm telling you, you have no limit. And as long as we embrace that path, there is always a way to solve things, to overcome things, and to live in a world of unlimited potential and prosperity. Whenever we follow their path, which ultimately ends in violence, hatred, division, blood, we end up in the trap of hell, which is what we're currently leaving. Time for us to choose. And it's a bold choice to make and to live. And it's the most freeing and most joyful thing we could ever do. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. But we need to keep our prayers up and continue to seek that deeper relationship with him. In the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So we, know we need to walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, and keep our mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then, until the next time, God bless, and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered 
by those who move forward. And so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 